And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And we've got lots to get to on this episode, but it's first... All banter all the time. But first, <laughs> we are going to thank John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions for their continued support. Yes. And week in, week out... They are the presenting sponsor of this world-class podcast. Actually, of this award-winning podcast. We were nominated for six Emmys, yeah. in case anyone is wondering. Yes. Um, best Daytime Drama was one of them. So there you go. We're the real deal. Anyway, John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions, uh, we are so thankful for their support. And John um, was a guest last week. And Tony, only you can do what you do when you share the details about <laughs> what Municipal Solutions does. I'd be happy to, Jody. Thank you. And uh, yes, it was great having John Button on the program last week. We talked all things municipal politics. He had a lot of insights and uh, got the attention of Patrick Brown, Jody. Did you know that? Patrick. Yeah, well, you kind of mentioned something in a text to me. What was the scoop on that one? Well, Patrick ph phoned him three times after uh, his comments about the Brampton uh, mayoral race. So <laughs> there you go. We're getting we're getting all sorts of listeners. We we get mail. We get mail. So do you do you think though? Like, and this is a serious question. Yeah, yeah. Do you think do you think Patrick heard the show, or do you think someone listened and told Patrick? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. But I, I, knowing Patrick as I do, if someone told him about it, he would then listen to it himself. Correct. Well, that's what I'm trying to wonder. Personally, I can't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't picture Patrick Brown going, honey, I'm just going to settle in and listen to the newest episode <laughs> of And Another Thing and then be like, what the? And yeah. then calling John. But I could see someone listening to this, knowing Patrick and going. Uh, hey, you should take a listen to that episode or that podcast because they were talking about you. That's right. So, he was like spilling his uh, uh, soda water. Anyway, I, but, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I guess the only way to find out is, Patrick, if you do listen to this podcast consistently, let us know. Yeah, and come on the show again. We'd love to have you. Yeah, yeah come on the show. Sure, why not? But in the meantime, <laughs> Municipal Solutions is Ontario's leading MZO firm, the Municipal Zoning Orders, and John is doing a great business. I'm very proud of uh, his success, of course, uh, to have a sponsor that successful. Of course, they do development approvals, permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering and architectural services, even things like minor variances or land severances and getting those permits, uh, uh, building permits approved as well. So you go to municipalsolutions.ca and John and the team is a growing team as well. They've, they've got some new staff members on. Uh, they are ready for you at municipalsolutions.ca. And then I would be remiss if I did not remind you that this show will be repeated on terrestrial radio every Saturday morning. Uh, a new podcast is uh, then presented at Hunter's Bay Radio in Muskoka, 88.7 FM, uh, and huntersbayradio.com. 8.30 in the morning every Saturday, you can hear this program again. 
And as always, looneypolitics.com is your home for exclusive news articles, videos, podcasts. It's a wonderful aggregate source of today's daily headlines from all over the place. And you can become a subscriber. Use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription, which gives you access to episodes of this show that you cannot hear anywhere else. So again, looneypolitics.com. If I, for a second, I just want to go back to what we were talking about. And, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that Patrick Brown would be settling in and listening to the show because we have like Ontario and Canadian legends in the media world, like Steve Pakin and Robert Benzi who listen like yep. all the time. So, I mean, even thinking about that makes me go, I, that still surprises me, but I definitely appreciate it. And in fact, Steve, cause I know you're listening, uh, haven't had an email from you in a while. So maybe just, uh, flip something over just so we know you're still out there. He's, he's, I saw him at uh, the convention. He's still of course you did. Yeah. He was there. I should say, by the, by the way, we're going to get into the convention stuff. Like I saw some of his tweets. He was like shocked at the result. Yeah, uh, they were they were shocked. Um, uh, by the way, uh, also former guest Holly Doan, remember her? Uh, she was uh, right beside Steve there, and they were kind of uh, a lot of the media were corralled with a, a tape uh, in front of uh, uh, Pierre Polyev's spot. There was a lot of media there, not so many media on the other side of the room where Jean Charest was, but uh, I guess that was all for a reason. Well, you know what uh, his campaign slogan was? Built for 16%. That's right. Oh, boy. The show's already going that way, are we? Okay. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Let's uh, all have more to say about this tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Try the chicken. Yeah, exactly. Um, So anyway, so let's get right to it. The we're obviously going to be focused a lot. Oh, probably the whole show will be on the conservative leadership. Uh, Pierre Polyev thrashing the competition, and let, let's just put it out here right now, Tony. I just because I, I don't know of any other political pundits, commentators, podcasts, newsies. I don't know of anyone else that predicted the first ballot victory as early in this leadership campaign as we did. We did. You could go back. Like I think. You, I think we called that outcome like at least two months ago, if not longer. I think it was longer. And the yeah. other thing, Jody, w- that we were almost bang on. We said that uh, Leslie Lewis would get more votes than Jean Charest. And did you yes. know she was only two thousand votes behind Jean Charest? Yeah, she was very close, which doesn't surprise me at all. I was actually surprised, and again, my dark horse. I think that Roman Babber guy did did punch above his weight in that yeah, one. He yeah, he did. he got five percent of the points, yeah. uh, so uh, he was uh, he was definitely uh, way ahead of Scott Aitchison, who brought up the rear with one point zero six percent of the points. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I mean, I'd like to just you know why you've done this before. Why? Do you think he did it? Like, what was he thinking? The like, obviously, I don't think he ever thought he could win. Surely, he must have thought he would do better. But like, what what do you think was his end game on that? Because that one was a weird one. Well, I'll tell you something about leaderships, and, and maybe it also works for other people who seek a high office. You know, sometimes you only listen to the things that you want to believe. Yes, and. Uh, 
I think Jean Charest fell for the same thing too, quite frankly, where absolutely people were whispering in his ear saying, Jean, uh, you can, you can win this. Uh, you've got what it takes. The country needs you. And he wanted to hear that. Uh, and, uh, he'd been itching to run for two or three leaderships and never did it. And this, uh, I think he figured that if he didn't do it this time, he could never do it. Uh, I think for Scott Aitchison, it was a, a very similar process where I know for a fact that some caucus members, uh, e- even caucus members who didn't even support him, uh, said to him, you know, you've got a unique message of, uh, of how we have to behave in politics better and uh, be more civil to one another. There's a, there's a, there'll be an audience for that. And uh, so uh, to those who think that he just did a calculation that it would advance his career, even if he lost, I, I actually believe that he, he thought that there was some sort of path to victory. And for that, he was sorely mistaken. And he spent a lot of money, not his own, other people's. And um, yeah, uh, you know, all for 1.06% of the votes. So um that's uh, that's the tough reality. Numbers numbers don't lie. And um, uh, to those who were surprised, like you mentioned that Steve Pakin may have been surprised by the result, I, I, I get that. But I can tell you the internal numbers for the Polyev campaign were almost spot on. Yeah, well, that's and that's so here's here's a great point. And again, just we'll we'll spend a little time on the charade thing because I think it, it bears being unpacked a little more is if you look at the numbers across the board, riding by riding and the results. So Polyev wins with 68% of the available points or however that works. Plus he won 330 out of 338 ridings. If you go riding by riding and you look at the numbers, there's one very clear fact. Sheree was never in this. Like never. No, never. Never. So either, like you said, he was, people were lying to him or as you said, he just wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. But he, like, I can't say that more bluntly to anybody that's a charade supporter listening right now. Your guy was never in this race. Never, never, would never, never, no matter what they printed or wrote out there, he was never in it. So that, that to me, if I was him, I'd be pissed, but yeah, I think he was sold a bill of goods. I, I kind of feel sorry for him from that point of view. But again, you, you've got to be dispassionate about these things. Yes. Yeah. And I've fallen for it myself, Jody. I, I will tell you, I, I've fallen for it myself where I, I believed what I wanted to believe and ran for leader and uh, didn't win. Uh, it was a great experience nonetheless. And I, I did somewhat better than uh, Roman Barber or Scott Aitchison. But yeah. still, uh, the, the, it, was never, it was never in the cards. And so uh, you, you've got to be kind of clear-headed about these things as a politician because people, uh, they may have even ulterior motives or other agendas, you know, their own agenda. Uh, maybe they want to get paid by a leadership campaign. Maybe they want to burnish their credentials as a, as a senior strategist because they, they are involved in your campaign. They could have a whole lot of other reasons to want you to run for leader that have nothing to do with your own personal interest. Yeah, no, it's you're you're exactly right, and it's it it was interesting. But I, you know what? Let's let's move on to uh, the winner, Pierre. Who, you know, I I also I'll say this because I feel very strongly about this. I, I the last leadership election where Aaron O'Toole won, I was reaching out to Pierre 
because he hadn't made up his mind or there was a push to get him to run. Obviously, ultimately, he didn't run, but I was encouraging him and uh, as many were. I'm not saying that I was the only one, but I was in his corner. I said, man, whenever you're ready to do this, 100%, um, you know, we had some events. You were at those events here in my riding uh, or our riding and Ryan Williams, our MP, jumped on board early with Pierre as well. But he's, you know, uh, for such a time as this, he is the individual we need, especially with his wife, who obviously we'll talk about her speech at the campaign or at the event as well, which was powerful. But I mean, he is the he's the man for the hour. Right. That's, that's how I see it. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, especially after being at the convention or the the event on the weekend. Yeah, I, I the the funny thing about the convention was, uh, of course, for many people, this was their first introduction to Pierre Polyev and Anna Polyev. For you and me, and I, I, I should say, especially me, because I, I, I've seen him at nine or ten events during this leadership, mass events, and then a dozen or more other smaller, uh, you know, fundraisers or whatever, and uh, and, and that included Anna. And uh, so I knew what they were capable of. And I knew that Pierre, uh, you know, had uh, internalized his message. It was who he was. He, he was just being who he was. Uh, but of course, there were so many more people introduced to that on the Saturday night uh, at the convention through television and through YouTube or what have you. So uh, I thought it was very gratifying that people were saying the things that I had noticed about Pierre and you had noticed about Pierre months ago, years ago, uh, and uh, they were repeating them back to us. You know, oh, wow, his economic message is right on. People are hurting and he represents uh, people who, you know, aspire to something more and need, and need hope. Oh, that Anna Polyev, she's a real pistol. Well, we, we already knew that, but of course... You know, that's because we were paying attention in our particular world. But now the broader community of Canadians is going to be introduced to that. And I, I think I mentioned this on a, a couple of shows ago, but there's still, you know, almost a majority of Canadians who have no formed opinion about Pierre Polyev. He still has to introduce himself to half the country. And so he that's a lot of work that he's got to do, but it also gives him a lot of upside as well. Absolutely. I mean, I was in a Tim Hortons today in the municipality of Quinty West, and I was just looking at, actually, I was having a flashback when I was in this one particular Tim Hortons. I can remember during the federal campaign in 15, I was there with Rick Norlock, uh, one of your colleagues, yep. and uh, Kelly Leach, another one of your colleagues. And we were doing the classic Tim Hortons shaking hands and meeting people uh, where they, you know, the, the water cooler talk and sure. uh, you, you get to learn a lot of things out of Tim Hortons, but I was looking at the individuals in there and I was like, you know, I, as you said, the upside to Pierre, I, I could guarantee I could go around that room and I bet you there'd be a handful of people that wouldn't even know anything about Pierre other than, Oh, is he the guy that just ran? You know, like there's, they would have no yeah. Uh, yeah. opinion either way, which I think is a great opportunity for him and his, the messaging to explain who he is. So if yeah, it's, and we're not if criticizing people for that. People have busy lives. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think that's a negative. I just think it's a general feeling on our, I think it's just the way it is with people. Right. It's like, you know, um, not to get off topic, but I was talking to friends today about municipal politics and we were chatting about 40, the people in the 40 plus demo, or like say the 40 to 
to 47, 48 age range, who I, I know a lot of them in our area, they're like, they don't even care about who's running municipally because there's nothing that energizes them. So it's not that they, it's just, it's got to be something that hooks them. Pierre, I think once he gets introduced to more and more people, he's going to hook them. And his wife is going to help with that. The messaging is going to help with that. And the other thing I know that there's a lot of, I've seen some comments already from Pierre detractors that, okay, so now he's won the leadership. Now he's going to move way back to the center so he can fool the voters. And I think that's a load of crap. I don't think he's going to move off who he is. So, No, because in his mind, I believe, uh, it's not a question of center or left or right. I mean, uh, th- those outmoded concepts that only mean anything to political scientists, they don't mean anything to the, uh, you know, the average person. He feels that his message is the message to help people. And, yes. and I know that sounds maudlin or, or kitschy, but, but I just mean that he's, uh, it just happens. And you, you were mentioning this at the outset of the show. He, he's captured the imagination because what he is selling and has been selling for many moons is actually what people need right now. And that isn't a left or a right thing. And uh, I think people are going to be surprised and interested when he says things that don't fit into the left-right spectrum. Like when when he said, uh, when he criticized the Bank of Canada uh, for suggesting that, uh, that people shouldn't demand higher wages at a time of high inflation, that isn't something you normally hear from a conservative leader. They're usually saying, no, we have to exercise restraint. And that means you, citizen, cannot demand higher wages. Uh, that's what you expect to hear. But that isn't what he said, because he doesn't think that it's the people's fault that inflation is so high. He thinks it's the Bank of Canada working in concert with Justin Trudeau. So that that's just a, one example of where he doesn't fit neatly into left-right uh, political science 101 definitions. Yeah. And the other part of this is one simple word, authenticity. And he has it in spades. I mean, you can look back at the last couple leaders we've had since Stephen Harper, who I believe was pretty authentic and who he was and didn't shy away from that. Mm-hmm. Andrew Shear was, it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't real. He wasn't being who he was. Aaron O'Toole wasn't being who he, who he was. Like, and it, and it showed right. and they, you know, I don't want to say they paid a price, but the, their campaigns paid a price for that. And it is my belief. And again, maybe this won't come to fruition, but I believe it will. I don't, I see Pierre being very genuine and authentic. I've had so many people reach out to me and just say, cause, cause they can't wrap their heads around it that I support them. Like, these are my friends that would be maybe, you know, not con- typical conservative voters. What do you like about Pierre? And so I explained to them, I'm like, you know, he, this is what I said to a buddy of mine. So first of all, he has a great sense of humor, like literally a great sense of humor. Very he much values so. family. He values people. He values relationships. He stands up for what he believes in. Like it, that's, that's the type of stuff that I'm looking for in a leader. And, you know, I think he checks all those boxes and then some. Yeah. And uh, I think we've seen obviously his acceptance speech, uh, which actually surprised, pleasantly surprised a lot of people. A lot of people who are skeptical in the party, not a lot, but some, uh, 16% perhaps, uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, also the mainstream media who, again, hadn't taken the time to to see him perform over the last seven months or so, were gobsmacked at his ability to craft uh, 
something he wanted to say and to say it and to say it forcefully and as you say authentically same thing when he spoke earlier this week he spoke to the national conservative caucus and again you know he hit it out of the out of the ballpark so i think uh when when he's on the road with his message it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting it's 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 going to be the mirror image perhaps even more so of Justin Trudeau in the 2015 election you remember Jody he was bringing in massive crowds and people were hanging on his uh, Justin Trudeau's every word because they wanted change uh, i get that uh, and uh, they thought that uh, he was the guy that was going to deliver it i think many have been sorely disappointed in the meantime but uh, at the time that's that's what he was selling and uh, i i'm actually surprised at uh, Justin Trudeau's lack of self-understanding about how dangerous Pierre Polyev, not to the country, he's not dangerous to the country, but he's dangerous to Justin Trudeau who wants to cling to power. Yeah. And uh, I, I maybe, uh, maybe in his quiet moments with his senior staff, maybe he's a different story, but the, the bluster and the bluff that Justin Trudeau is using now uh, indicates to me he's he's totally not self-aware of how Pierre Polyev represents the views of many, many, many Canadians who used to vote Liberal and who used to vote NDP. Uh, so it's it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not buying what Justin is selling when it comes to you know, his thoughts on the new leader, that being Pierre Polyev, I, I think that, I think it's, I think he's puffing himself up because I think deep down he probably does know that there is trouble on the horizon. And Tony, this is a bold prediction, but, you know, I think in the next federal election, and I, I know things change. I know ballot questions will change. I know the mood of the country can change. We could be in a recession. We could be experiencing great times. Things will change, but I, one thing I know for sure is that Pierre has that it factor like Trudeau did and still does to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you now, I'm, I'm calling a conservative majority in the next federal election. Wow. Okay. You heard it here first here, obviously. That's and uh, the disclaimer, of course, is that if that doesn't happen, this episode will be deleted immediately. It'll, be, it'll disappear. <laughs> Instantaneously. But no, that's my. When I'm, I'm that, calling when, that, when you say that, Jody, though you you are not underestimating um, the continuing power of the Liberals and Justin Trudeau. I, I just want to state that for the right. You know, it's going to be a tough haul. Oh, for sure. That's not. I'm not saying it's like it's 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 going to happen no matter what. I'm I, all I'm saying is that my belief is that, and the feeling that I'm getting is that this wouldn't this won't even be a change vote. I don't think it's change for the sake of change. I think it's I think you're going to see the more people that meet Pierre on the ground at events as we move closer and closer to the election, whenever it is, you're going to see those crowds that we you know, the crowds we already saw for these events during the leadership. They're going to continue to swell. There is something happening and he's keyed in. And I'm telling you, that's I, I, that again, that's just. That's just my prediction. Because now, I, just I feel it. for the record, do you believe that the party is united behind him? I can't see how they can't be. Right. 
Like, I'll tell you something. I'm very, I'm very bold, and I think we've talked about this on the show where I might have mentioned it. Like, I actually feel proud to be a part of the party again. Right. You know, I shouldn't say part of the party. I've been part of the party. I've been a member since, you know, for, since my nomination and, and before that, but um, years ago. But, like, I was excited to buy a five-year membership when Pierre announced he was running. You know, I renewed and got a five-year because I was like, oh, this is going to go well. And for the last couple of years, though, I haven't felt like I have a place in the Conservative Party for the simple reason that the talk has been by a lot of people, by a lot of caucus people that get too much TV time, in my opinion, talking about how we have to appeal to the center. And we, uh, like we discussed earlier, that was the whole messaging. You even look at someone like the Tasha Kierden, who, you know, wrote a book on how we're going to have to what we're going to have to do to, to win elections. And I I it's BS in my opinion. Like we need authentic, genuine values, principles, our core beliefs, what we stand up for. And that includes everybody in the big blue tent. And I'll tell you, I, I feel more united than I ever have uh, behind Pierre. That's, that's my feeling. I'd love to hear how your thoughts are, your thoughts on unity. Yeah. I, I asked a lot of, I was talking to a lot of caucus members, probably about 30 or 35 of them over, you know, on the Saturday of the convention uh, and, uh, especially after the result was, uh, announced and we had uh, a little bit of uh, celebration going on until the wee hours of the morning, as you could expect. But I, I, I point blank asked a number of, of caucus is the caucus unified? Uh, is Pierre going to have any problems with the caucus? And their, their overwhelming view, I mean, there wasn't a contrary view. Their, their, their view was no, he's going to have, he's not going to have a problem. As long as Pierre continues to be Pierre, that was their their one uh, sort of uh, qualification. Uh, but they said, as long as Pierre continues to be Pierre uh, and uh, continues to espouse the things that he's espousing, there will not be a problem in caucus. I said, what about the Quebec members of caucus who support a charade? No, they'll settle down. Uh, what about uh, you know some of the more outspoken? Uh, you know, so-called moderate. No, they'll they they won't have a problem. So that was the overwhelming view of caucus. And let's not forget that uh, the problems that the previous two leaders had all started in caucus. They didn't start yeah. in rank and file of the party. No, they started no. in caucus, and and it it just spiraled out of control for both Andrew Shear and Aaron O'Toole. So that augurs well. Uh, it, you know, uh, Pierre's got. Uh, he's he, the, as leader, he gets to now choose his shadow cabinet, as it's called, and the critic uh, critic responsibilities for his caucus. So uh, that'll be watched very closely as well. But I think overall, people know uh, in the caucus and in the party that this is really, if we can't be Justin Trudeau this time, then it could be a long time in the wilderness. So most uh, most do, do want to avoid that fate. Yes. Uh, I also wanted to ask, does Jenny Byrne stick around? Yeah, she's chairing his transition. Okay. Um, and so she'll be in Ottawa for, for a little bit longer. I, I wouldn't expect her to, she, she's not going to be chief of staff. I, I don't expect, I could be wrong, but I don't expect that. I think she'll, she'll go back into the volunteer mode as campaign chairman or, you know, some, some role and responsibility. Um, I, I, I let me just state for the record. Uh, I'm glad you you brought Jenny up. I was totally impressed with her in this campaign. Uh, I, I know she's got detractors, but I, I think it is completely uncalled for. 
she was, uh, she was, she worked extremely hard. She had great instincts. She got stuff done, and it, that that can't be underestimated. Like uh, there, remember at the beginning of this process, and you saw it a little bit in Belleville, Jody. All these people showed up. And they they wait in line for an hour and a half to get their photo taken with Pierre yep. Polyev at these meet and greets. Yeah, and uh, the detractors were saying, "Well, there's a lot of people showing up, but they're not buying memberships." Remember that at the beginning? Yeah, that false. Mm-hmm. That was false. <laughs> but it was false because Jenny made sure it was false. Yeah, because she went to like for like two weeks. She went to these events and she set up a system with iPads and QR codes. So while people were waiting in line. They could use their their credit card and pay for their membership while they're waiting in line, and bam, it was done. And if she hadn't set up that system, then it, it could have been, uh, you know, tough for Pierre to to galvanize the people that showed up to make sure that they were members of the party. So maybe that's a little thing, but it, you know, if you didn't sell the memberships, you wouldn't have the result that you had. And he he sold no. 311,000 memberships. So. And, and she, she is a machine. Like I, I, I remember I I've had limited encounters with her, but I've had lots of phone conversations. She's been a great support to me in my municipal runs and federal. So I can't, I, she's always been good to me. And I was just so impressed. Like she, she has a bulldog mentality, but she's very, I find her to be very realistic and um, sets expectations that are you know totally i don't know what the word is but totally doable and she's you know very upfront so what you see is what you get and i think that you know she was re-energized during this from you know after after being away from um in deep i guess in depth in politics for a little while and more of a commentator and doing her own stuff in the in the private sector and starting a very so having a very successful business, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think she was amazing. And, uh, as you said, you can't, you can't say enough about the work that she put in. And I tell you, I, the amount of people, I, cause I posted, you know, pictures with Pierre and congratulations and the mm-hmm. amount of people that I had reach out to me that I had no idea. Like, these are people I would, I, I would have never guessed Same. would have bought a membership Same. and they're like, I got a card for him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, just, just like, are you seriously? Like, I would have never thought that. So, <laughs> there's something big happening out there, and uh, he, uh, and uh, you know, all of the, and th- this has been comment commented on as well that the more the sort of mainstream media types, you know, try to say this is white nationalism or this is racism or this is you know whatever their whatever their term is. Uh, you know, this is extremism. I guess that's the term they use the most. Uh, the the more the average person can say that that's completely that's not what I see in front of me. That's not what this is about. And no. and you are insulting me by saying simply because I take a position on an issue like inflation or like housing costs and cost of living or even like uh, you know uh, medical freedom, uh, simply because I take that position, I am therefore a racist or I am therefore an extremist. I mean, give me a break. It's not going to work. Yeah. The Justin Ling's, the Andrew coins, the uh, healthier rages of the world. I, you know, I honestly, I don't know how, um, but you're all welcome on our show to talk about it. Of course they are. But I mean, (laughs) like, I honestly don't know how 
they can like, and again, I'm saying this is something like I was, I, I still am a broadcaster to a certain degree podcaster now, but I was in the mainstream media for 20 years. I mean, I did, I've done news, I've done all that stuff. So like, I just don't get how they can be so bold in their assessments. And then when they're so blatantly wrong, meh, and they just move on to the next one. Like, I, I don't understand that. And yeah. they will not, they will not walk it back. Um, so I, I don't get it. And I think, as you said, they're the next thing they've already moved on to the next thing about how Pierre's unelectable because he, you know, he plays footsie with extremists. Like it's just nev- nonstop with these individuals. Yeah. But it doesn't matter as much these days because uh, people aren't listening to that. And they're making- no, and that's what I mean. Like, like, okay. So the question is then for the media types, at what point do you look at this result and go, Hmm, maybe I'm not really in touch with what's going on out there. Or is it simply, well, I get more clicks to the website, which in turn generates revenue for my company, which allows them to pay me. Those are the stories that I got to put forward. You know, what's the, what is it? That's a good point. That's a good point. It's just like, it makes no sense to me. I would love, I would love to have Andrew Coyne or Justin Ling on the show. They won't do it. No, they won't do it because, and I, I I wouldn't be rude to them. I would ask them serious questions and I just know that they won't do that stuff because they can't answer it. It's unanswerable. But the good news is, Jody, all of those uh, tears that were shed over Lisa LaFlamme, she's found a new job. So there yeah, you go. she's the, uh, that didn't take too long. That didn't take long at all. <laughs> City news reporter exclusively for, from London for the Queens. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the Queen. That's no, terrible. No, no, yeah. But uh, that was a, uh, it's an interesting time. I mean, I've had an, a couple interesting conversations with um, my brother-in-law's on the weekend, I was up in Uxbridge golfing and doing some stuff. And, you know, they, they, they're of the belief that like, what do, you know, great woman, but you know, we need to get rid of the monarchy. And then my father-in-law is very big on the monarchy. And, uh, I would tend to lean towards his position on like, she was one of the best leaders in the world, like very resolute leader and maybe one of the most powerful leaders ever when you think about it. Right. But I mean, and she was extraordinary. There's, you, 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 she's lightning in a bottle. There's no question about it. Uh, and uh, but I, 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 here's a hot take. I think that upon her passing, people that were on the fence about the monarchy came to realize how much she meant. Yes. And I also believe with the Charles's accession as king, people that were less enamored with Charles are taking a second look at him now. Yeah, I would uh, agree. But it's all within the context of the constitutional monarchy. Yes. Uh, and these are, these are, they're not political figures. And the problem, if you, if you kick out the monarchy, that you're going to have a republic with an elected president, Jody, and yeah. then all of a sudden we're going to have triple the politics that we have now, because you're going to be electing a prime minister, you're going to be electing a president. That may not be good for us. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite happy with a with a figurehead, and that's what he and she uh, are and where have the figurehead. They're in an extreme situation. They're the they're the umpire, and that's all they do. And the rest of the time, they generate uh, you know tourist dollars uh, through pomp and circumstance. So I guess we should let you. I'm sure you have. You must have a queen story that you can share. Yeah, I've met her. I've met her twice. Um, I don't remember all the details because uh, I'll be honest, it, it 
doesn't matter as much to me because she she is or was a figurehead. But I, I met her in Toronto twice in my provincial days, uh, and, she, and and it was a very brief encounter, but it was delightful. And um, uh, yeah, I mean that's all I can tell you. Like I, I don't remember a lot about it because it, it it mattered less to me than perhaps it would to other people. So she didn't say anything to you ever, like. Uh... Excuse me, Mr. Clement, I hear you like the Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. No. I wish, that'd be good. That'd be good. I wish I had a story like that, but I don't. And then you're like, Jeremy Spoken. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go to that concert. Uh, I've seen I've seen them twice already. That's good enough. <laughs> okay. Do you, you don't think this one was a big, like, when was the last time you saw them? Oh, like 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. To be honest, I, I had a lot of friends that went to those Pearl Jam concerts because the, they rescheduled them in. They were all like, what, like last week. So it seemed like seemed like everybody on my Facebook was at a concert by Pearl Jam. But the, and they did most of their songs from their first couple albums because I mean, outside of for me, Ten Versus and Vitology, yeah, were the only ones I ever listened. Yeah, to. those are the those are the big ones. There's no yeah. Question. So I mean, like if you had anything off the other albums, I I don't even know if I'd know them to be honest. So. So I was like, I was like saying to my friends, did they do Yellow Lead better? And I guess, I guess they haven't been doing that one a lot. Ooh, but they I love it. that song. Yeah, they did it as an encore. That's probably Ooh, my favorite. That's a great that song. That one, An Elderly Woman Behind the Counter yeah, is probably yeah. my favorite, uh, favorite song. So anyway. They're, they're a great band. I just, I just uh, you know, didn't have the the jam to see them again because I'd seen them. So, you know, that's fine. Other people. <laughs> the jam. I, I saw what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the jam. good. All right. Well, we better we better wrap this up. Thanks again to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions for their continued support. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Don't forget uh, uh, Saturday mornings, a terrestrial radio, um, 88.7. Is that right? That's right. Hunter's Bay Radio. Hunter's Bay radio. Home of the home of Tony's rock and shindig as well. Yes. Um, when's the next episode of that? Oh, sometime next month. Oh, just once a month? Once a month. Okay. And then um, looneypolitics.com. Use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription and uh, do yourself a favor and join up and, and review, see what all the cool rate, kids. Review what? and rate their program. And uh, don't forget, we have coffee mugs and, and hoodies. Yes. I got I to gotta go on our site and update all that stuff too, because we've got to come up with some like legit merch that people are going to buy. And Hey. Um, I bought. Well, no, I'm just. I know people have bought this. I'm just saying we need a refresh. So maybe yes, I need a refresh. Would be nice. Let's do that create, for our fans. Create a new mug. I mean, the young Tony. Somebody out there is wearing those young Tony sweaters. Oh, they are. They are. <laughs> Which is classic. I want. Man, wouldn't you just like? Wouldn't you love to be walking in like downtown Toronto and see somebody with that on? It's funny, yeah, uh, you know, because stuff gets recycled, uh, so it might be a goodwill at some point. You might be walking down the street. And, <laughs> oh and, and, my uh, gosh. Okay. Well, Tony, enjoy the rest of your week. We will do this again in seven days. Sounds good.